Hey guys, this is Chris here again with another episode of the Reenactors Corner Podcast. As it's Halloween and everyone's minds are turning to all things creepy that go bump in the night, me and a couple of my good friends from my reenactment group thought we would get together and let you know about some of the spookiest things that happened to us out in the field. Um, it seems like Lassa is too scared to join us for this one, but sit back, relax, and join us as we talk about some of the horrors of reenacting. So there's going to be two different stories here. The people who are going to be telling these stories are me, Chris, also Ben, who's been on a podcast before. Ben, say hi to the people. Hi, everybody. And we're going to have a new guest to the podcast, Vili Graf, um, who is a guy that I've reenacted with for a long time and is featured in some of the other stories I've told on the podcast over time. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Vili. I'm scared to hear what other stories you've told about me. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, starting off. I'm going to tell you a little bit of a story about something that happened one September night at uh, at the top of a great big hill. This was at a reenactment event that we go to mostly every year. It's a really cool site. It's super wide open, giant fields, um, great big hills, and and valleys in between. You can see really far at this place. You know, especially from the hilltops, you get this great view of. Um, there's like hedgerows and a patchwork of fields and wooded areas. It's really scenic and it's really beautiful and it's a great place to do night missions. And especially one of the things that we like to do is we like to do like night observation where you are, um, actually like looking for aircraft that might be coming. Now this is just like kind of a, a LARPy thing, right? To make believe because um, obviously there's no enemy aircraft at this reenactment that we're doing, but we're just out there pretending that we're watching for, you know, or listening for aircraft that might be uh, dropping supplies to partisans that are somewhere nearby or something like that. It's mo mostly just kind of a, a framework that we use to get out there in the dark and you know be quiet and just try to immerse yourself into what would it have been like if you were a soldier in world war ii out there in this far-flung remote area alone looking up at the night sky you know what would you have thought about what would you have felt and um so when we do these kind of night missions and it's not always aerial observation sometimes it's patrols or whatever usually we're doing this in areas that are private property that are kind of reserved for the reenactment and there's really not supposed to be anybody else there and theoretically that's how this site is you know we have permission to be there other people aren't supposed to be there but there are trails that go through these areas there are tracks that are used by people on like four-wheel all-terrain vehicles like atvs right um or people on dirt bikes or stuff like that and so you don't ever really know. You might encounter somebody out there. You might encounter somebody on an ATV or on a dirt bike. And uh, I think that our, our audience can probably imagine that it's pretty awkward to 
be like a squad of World War II German soldiers and like suddenly encounter a guy who's just like doing his weekend fun like ATV ride. So it's it's better to just, I, we always thought that the best thing to do in this situation if you were to be suddenly approached by somebody is to just get away before they can see you, right? Just hide, let them go by. Because like what's the worst that can happen, right? Like you just hide, they don't see you. And then they're gone, and then you can resume doing what you're doing. It's a lot less awkward than being like, hi, oh, yeah, um, we're like, uh, you know, reenactors. Like, this isn't weird. Like, don't be alarmed. Like, yeah, right, like, Nazi helmets. Like, it's cool, right? <laughs> you know, like, I don't want to answer questions from people. I don't want to, I don't want people to know that I'm there and, like, come back with someone else. I don't want any of that stuff. So my thought was just hide. And that was how we did things for years up until the night that we are about to describe uh, and why we changed that. So, this is the scene, okay? There's a massive hill that's surrounded by just open areas. It's beautiful. You can see forever. Telegrass. Yeah. There's a, a trail that goes up the hill, like a, like a vehicle trail. You could drive a truck up it. And all around it is, is tall grass, but not like super high, right? It's not the African you know, grasslands. It's like maybe like knee-high grass or something at the, at the highest, really. Yeah. Um, so we are going to be out there doing observation duty until like a set period of time, which I don't know, what was it, like 9 o'clock? 9 o'clock, nine yeah. o'clock yeah. right? Yeah. We're going we're gonna to leave the field at 9 o'clock. So it's great. We see some planes. Maybe we make a note that we saw aircraft. There's some shooting stars or whatever. You know, it's, it's cool. We're pretending it's World War II. 8.55, we are five minutes away from getting off of this hill, and we see headlights down below. It's like, oh, see headlights, it's a vehicle. So, like, initially, it's like, okay, well, we're going to pretend this is like a World War II vehicle, we saw a vehicle, we're going to make a note of it. And then someone's like, wait a minute, is it is it coming this way? And there's like a, a moment of, like, discussion, like, I don't know, is it is it coming this way? And suddenly, at the, at the same moment, everybody realizes, yeah, it's coming this way. It's coming right this way. It's coming right up the hill. It's coming right towards us, and it's time to hide. Time to go. <laughs> I don't think anybody even said, like, time to hide, right? It's just like, oh, yeah, they're coming this way, and everyone just scatters, yep. scatters into the grass. So different people got, like, different distances away from this thing. Some had basically no time at all. Um, some, some, some people, like, moved faster than others. Like, I was very motivated to not talk to these people, so I was, like, I bounced, basically. I was gone. I was, you I, booked it. I booked yeah. it out of there. Um, some of our other guys, like, I think maybe took a, like a, another couple of seconds for like a wait and see attitude. Two seconds too long. Two seconds too long. It like cost them, you know, they wound up getting like, you know, what, 10 feet away, 10, 15 feet away, 10, 10 yeah, to 15 yeah, feet yeah. is how far they got. So, um, this thing, which we clearly see is an ATV, a four wheel all-terrain vehicle. It roars up the hill and it roars right past where we were just sitting and it roars right by us. And it's gone. What a relief. Yeah. What a, I mean, we weren't super worried about it. Like, that's all we expected. You know, the ATV goes by. And it goes by us, and then it turns around. <laughs> it turns around, and then it's coming back. <laughs> it's coming back, and then it stops at the exact spot where we had been doing our observation duty. Uh, so... It, it stops, and it turns off the engine, and it turns off the lights. And now it is parked there, 
surrounded by helmeted German soldiers hiding in the grass. Okay. I had gotten, like I say, I probably got, I don't know, maybe 60 feet away, right? Like, yeah, you got far. You went right far, by like, me. Like 20 meters, right? I was pretty far it's away. the fastest I think I've ever seen you I run. I was moving fast. I was moving fast. So I got pretty far away. So I got so far away that I couldn't actually hear, um, like, what was happening. Other than that, I knew the ATV was still there. But, like, Vili, you were... Yeah, so um, I was with this other guy, Nick, and... We did. We were very close to the road where that, and we went maybe about eight to ten feet off the road and just dropped into the grass <laughs> and laid down. Um, so we, you know, as as Chris described, the area is incredibly scenic. It was a great place. You know, you could see the stars. It was big open fields. Uh, really cool spot for you know people pretending they're Nazis. Also, a really cool spot to go on a date, which is basically what was happening with this ATV uh, when it came back and stopped for the second time, and the engine stopped. Uh, we realized that there were actually two people on the ATV. Um, it was a relatively young male, maybe early 20s, and some female. And they were clearly on some kind of, having some kind of romantic interest. They got off the, uh, they got off the ATV, and they're kind of like laughing and touching each other. Um, and they're talking for a bit, and eventually they start making out. And meanwhile, uh, we're starting to think, okay, we're screwed. Uh, because they could be up here for, you know, pardon the pun, they could be up here for quite a while. So we're just sitting there laying in the grass trying to figure out what to do. Uh, Nick and I have no idea that Chris has bolted down the hill and is now hiding in the bushes somewhere like meters away. We have no idea where Ben is. Um, we are trying to figure out if we should reveal ourselves or not, but at this point enough time has elapsed that revealing ourselves would be incredibly awkward, weird, and bizarre. Oh, wait, so we just How many people were we in total? Five, I believe. It was yeah. the three of us yeah. plus Nick. Plus, I think, and Bauman's Bauman six was in total. There. Yeah, there so were, there were six of us. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, so we we don't we don't, we Nick and I have no idea when else it is. So we're just sitting there trying not to like sneeze, cough, turn over, laugh, whatever it is. Um, and uh, apparently Ben, you were on the other side of the tracks. So yeah, yeah, I was on, I was or... on the other side of the the road, sort of further up the hill uh, toward the crest. Um, sort of, I really had to pee. Uh, perennial problem with me and uh minutes were passing by i wasn't sure how long how much time went by but there were definite pauses where this this couple were making out um and uh we were, we were there for the duration basically now you know chris like you said maybe if we had jumped up like in the first minute and been like hey hey like sorry like we're over here but like when you've been up there for like 10 minutes like there's no way that you could just reveal yourself and be like hey like we're here too guys you know what i mean like it got we didn't know how he was going to respond he'd be like all right you guys were listening to us for the last 10 minutes like yeah, i mean right. that's yeah. a yeah. bizarre situation super weird yeah. and look this is in like a rural part of the country where none of us are really from and like I know, like, even where I live, like, it's a little bit different from, like, one, like, one area of where I live to another area where, like, like, in, in the town that I live, like, you could probably go right into someone's backyard and, like, someone might just, like, stick their head out and be like, hey, what are you doing in my backyard? But, like, there are other places not too far away from here, especially places with, like, farms and where people do hunting and have, like, hunting rights to areas where, like, you had better know where you are when you get out of your car because if you're, like in the wrong place, like it could become a real problem. So we didn't know. I've heard the term from rural Pennsylvania of shooting farmer. Yeah, shooting farmer. So we didn't know if this yeah. guy was a shooting yeah. farmer, I mean, or just a lover, you know, just a, 
make out on the ATV. <laughs> yep, yep, now yep. Nick Nick told me that uh, the guy went to take a leak. No, oh, it was the girl. Did oh, it was the girl. Oh, the girl? It was the girl. Yeah. Yeah, because because Nick said he almost basically got pissed on. She was so close. He uh, thought that right. she. And Nick also told me Nick is a really like dedicated guy who was like into the immersion even in this moment. Nick was like ten feet away from the ATV and managed to open up his ammunition pouch, take out a stripper clip of blank ammunition, <laughs> silently load his rifle and close the bolt because he was like still reenacting. <laughs> yeah, that's so, Nick. Anyway, so listen, I was, like I say, I was pretty far away from the start. So what I, would, what I started to do was, when I realized they weren't going anywhere right away, I would wait for a breeze to come. And in the sound of the rustling tall grass caused by the breeze, I'd take a couple of steps until the breeze died down and it was quiet again. And in this way, over a period of like 20 minutes or a half an hour, I yeah, make it time. down the hill and to the tree line. Yeah. I'm at the tree line and now it's dark and I am safe. I have escaped. And now my mission is I need to make contact with other guys from our group who may have escaped because I don't know how far away anybody else was. They might ha also be at the tree line somewhere nearby. I don't know. So I'm thinking, how can I maybe make my presence known? <laughs> so I whistled. I was like, <whistles> and then I listened. And that breeze kind of picked up and... I couldn't tell if I had heard a whistle or if someone... I thought I heard something. So I, I whistled again. And then I hear that whistle come back. The same whistle. And I'm like, okay, great. It's like one of our guys. So I like whistled again. And then I listened. And there's like no response for like a little while. And I'm thinking about where that whistle came from. And I'm thinking about where the ATV is. And I'm like, oh my God. That's the guy on the ATV whistling back. So I stop whistling. Meanwhile, the guy on the ATV is going... Like he really wants to hear it, you know, to hear it again. Cause, and I'm just like being totally quiet. Yeah, they had, the, the, they had realized that something was around. They sure. heard the whistle. They weren't sure what it was. They started to get a little bit nervous at this point. Yeah. Now, I was, like I say, I was pretty far away. I was far enough away that I was basically safe. Mm. So I was distant. You know, they were hearing distant whistling and we're, you know, we're not sure, right, if they were communicating with a distant whistler or not. So I hear this exchange of whistling. And I initially think, because, again, I don't know where anybody else is, um, that this is my men from my unit whistling to each other. And so I, I've never been able to whistle but what I can do is click with my tongue, like so. And so, uh, I hear this ex ex exchange of whistling, and then the guy in the ATV whistling nervously, trying to hear a, a response, and I just, I'm, I'm going, and I realize I'm in this exchange with it. <laughs> well, look, they have, they were, they thought that they heard like a whistle back and forth, distant, and now the whistling has stopped, but there is like a predator-style clicking coming from like now like a very near distance, which they heard, right? I mean, yeah, no, no, so no. The girl was like, "There's something out there. It's it's clicking back." <laughs> <laughs> right. So like their date has now taken a, a sour turn, right? Uh, they are now freaked out because what is out there on, in this desolate place? <laughs> and meanwhile, time is tick. The clock's ticking. Time's going by, and I'm just like. I'm like, listen, you know, what, what is going to happen here, you know? So I'm thinking, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something where 
the reenactors are going to know that it's me, right? So I'm thinking, like, a little bit of a song, you know, that we all know. The Vestival lead. <laughs> so. <laughs> and at that moment, it's, like, clear to the people on the ATV, yes, there is somebody out there. They're, like, whistling. It's not somebody that they know. And they make the decision, like, let's Time get the heck fuck out. out of here. Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, they yeah they were they were clearly freaked out at this point and they decided right, we need to get the hell out of here and to make this even more of like a perfect horror story for them they tried to get on the ATV and of course when they tried to start it the battery wouldn't catch and they are freaking out because they can't get the ATV started they know that there is some weird sort of clicking monster off to the left and then there's this weird like whistling coming down from the bottom of the hill they don't know what the hell's going on so the girls kind we of were on both sides of the road they were surrounded yeah, they were us. surrounded we had them surrounded um so the girls completely freaking out um after i don't know probably about seven or eight tries they eventually get the atv started and they just run down the hill um uh they take off in the distance um and then everyone who's on the top of the hill stands up and we finally realized who else was around and then we just sort of exchanged what was happening, how hysterical it was, how terrifying it was, how we didn't know. I had no. I heard the clicking. I was scared. I didn't know what the hell it was. I had no idea Ben was over there. Um, Chris and comes up the hill. Why would you make that weird noise? Chris comes up the hill whistling some more, and we're like, Can't "Okay, what's bun? going on?" And then we just sort of talked about how this was. Uh, uh, maybe not the best approach when you run into people on ATVs in the middle mm. of the night who are on their weird first date. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. from now on, like when someone comes, it's like, "Hi, we're World War Two. and it's like <laughs> we were joking. Like Nick had this joke afterward that I loved, where we sh- he like we should have just burst out of the bushes and be like, "Hello, thank you for participating in our World War Two reenactment, where you played the part of an Allied tank." <laughs> it's also maybe somewhat notable that I guess this. Sort of going off into the woods and uh, doing a thing is uh, maybe a bit common on this site. I mean, we were at a different part of this property having a battle, and uh, we found all these used uh, rubbers. Um, yeah, prophylactic devices yep, we found yep. uh, scattered about. Uh, Trojan being a, a popular brand of condoms in the United States, we came to call that battle the Trojan War. Uh, so, yeah, like... Look, I think maybe, you know, had I not whistled, I mean, they were going to, you know, pork out there or whatever. So uh, this story could have been even more horrifying, uh, depending on your point of view. Uh, I mean, who knows? But so bizarre, uh, unwanted voyeurism, you know? Yeah, no, no, nobody wanted that. Nobody (laughs) wanted that. That was not going to be zony for anybody in our crew. Um, So, as I mentioned, uh, it's the middle of October right now when we're recording this. And... We have a reenactment coming up in like, I don't know, what, a, a week almost. Ten days, right? maybe? Ten days, nine days away. Yeah, nine days away. Um, this is an annual reenactment event that happens the weekend before Halloween every year on a pretty remote property out in western New England, which is really like a, you know, where I live in eastern Massachusetts, it's, the population density is very high. In the western part of this region, the population density is very low. There's like a mountain range out there, and there's a lot of agriculture, and there's not a lot of people. And so there's this property, really, really cool property. Uh, The landowner is like a friend and is super welcoming to reenactors. He and his family like really are into this uh, use of their their farm and their property. And um, the property is really cool. It's hilly. And there are some big fields on two sides of a, both sides of a road. And there's also a lot of woods. And the woods is really, really beautiful the weekend before Halloween because 
that's a little probably a, just a little bit after the peak of like the bright color foliage so you don't really have any green leaves anymore everything is orange and yellow and red and brown or it's bare trees yeah and um you know it's kind of spooky um there's something about being in the woods at Halloween time. It's like, you know, the Blair Witch... That's when, like, that movie, The Blair Witch Project, takes place in the woods around Halloween. Because it, it's got its own spooky feel, you know? it's a, There's a chill in the air. Sure. Um, sure. Ben, there's, like, blood running down your face. Don't worry about it. So... Don't worry ben about it. Ben has just started to just bleed profusely. <laughs> that's how scary this event site is. That just thinking about it has made Ben weirdly wicked bloody so uh i wish this was a video <laughs> yeah. so don't um, worry about it happens all the time anyway so this is a story that takes place over a three-year span of this event and it goes from uh you know basically i guess three years ago right to last year it starts you know it, it the first, 2017 was the, the first, first the first the first major yeah. events for this started three years ago but there's kind of an earlier part to this too is that um, every year at this event, I generally create some uh, some facsimile maps, which you know could potentially be uh, World War II uh, type maps of the area, and we use them for doing sort of train train reconnaissance and just sort of whatever it is that we're doing. And one of the things that we have noticed on this map is that off to the distant north of the area where we set up um, our encampment is this clearing in the woods. Uh, and it's a huge swath of woods with nothing out there except for this clearing. And we've always been kind of curious about, you know, what is that? Why is that there? What purpose does that serve? Um, and we had always talked about going out to check it out, um, but we just never did. Yeah, you say distant north, but it's like distant like in terms of like walking through the woods, right? But not like 10 miles away. No, no, no. It's, you know, it's... It's, if you were to go through the woods um, without, you know, the, it, it'd be maybe a 30 to 40 minute walk, maybe. Yeah. But we didn't really think anything like, we didn't really think anything of it, except you've got this just vast unbroken swath of woods with no paths and no roads, and then a tiny little clearing, which we probably, look, we thought it was like a natural clearing. Probably. Yeah, it could be like a swamp or something. Exactly. Or, yeah, yeah, a little swamp. Yeah. Or like a vernal pond, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... 2017. As I mentioned, we like to do night missions at the events that we do. You know, stay active, keep do zony stuff. So uh, it's the night before the battle. It's Friday night, and we're out there doing observation duty in this really cool meadow. It's kind of overgrown. Um, it's misty. It's it was a misty night, and there you could see clouds. Yeah. Um, you know, there were some patchy clouds, but you, you could see the stars. And it was dark. It was dark, dark out there. Um, no moon, right? I don't think there was any moon. And so we're just out there. There were just three of us out there. It was Vili, me, and uh, Mouse, one of our other guys at the time. So um, we're out there, and I start to hear this weird noise. It's... It kind of comes when the wind blows or doesn't blow a certain way. You know, it's not a constant noise. It kind of sounds like a murmuring or, I don't know, like a baby crying far away. Or it just sounds weird. And Mouse and I are talking about it. We, we Everybody hears it. Mouse and I agree that uh, this sounds weird. 
And we're getting, like, not freaked out by it, but I don't know. Look, like I say, the site itself is creepy. You're out there far away from everybody. It's at night. It's really dark. You're, you know, there are animals and stuff out there in this part of Massachusetts. There are bears. There's, you know, whatever. Moose, definitely moose. Yeah, there's, you know, there's, like, fisher cats, which is a giant weasel. <laughs> there's bobcats and stuff. And uh, meanwhile, Villy is like, you guys are just being silly. It's just like the sound of a yeah, stream. Yeah, so off to, the, off to the side of this field is a stream. And it's a stream that we've often had battles over or there is. And I was convinced that what we were hearing was just some sporadic gurgling of the water going over uh, a rock or something in the water. Um, I will admit that it was kind of strange how infrequent it was because the, the stream there, the current is generally pretty, pretty uh, constant. Um, so it was a little strange, but I wasn't nearly at the sort of level the other two were in terms of what it was. Um, and after some period of time, we decided we were actually going to go just go over and investigate it and see what it was in the river. <laughs> yeah, so we, we go over there and, uh, you know, we make our way over there. And I guess like the big anticlimax of this is like, yeah, there was some rocks in the stream and we shined our like World War II flashlight on it. And just the way that the water was flowing over the rocks was making like a little bit of a gurgling noise that was not like, you know, it wasn't some kind of ghoul uh, missing from his grave. It wasn't the ghost of, you know, an Indian warrior. It was just water flowing. <laughs> and of course, Mouse and I knew that, right? Like, I didn't really think it was like a ghost, right? But I don't know. It was just like, oh, okay. It was really nothing. It was nothing at all. Nothing at all. So uh, the flashlight uh, goes off. And then Mouse says, did you hear that? With like some urgency in his voice. And Graf is like, I, Billy is like, I heard that. And I'm like, you guys are bullshitting me. Like, okay, it was cool that we were like a little bit like having a weird moment there, right? But like, it's over. Like, um, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing here, right? Um, but there actually was. Um, <laughs> so what happened was we were over there. I was the one, I had my light down on the river showing where this gurgling noise was coming from. I turned my flashlight up and we all just, it was kind of weird. We all just kind of like hung out there for what was kind of an unnatural period of time. Um, maybe like 15, 20 seconds, but it was longer than you would have normally done it. And Chris had kind of backed off. He was further away from us since than, than Mouse and I were from the river. And Mouse and I heard, Mouse is the one that said it first, we heard like a stick break or like a step or something on the other side of the river. And, and we, when we say river, this is a stream that you could jump across. Yeah, it's a very small stream. It's at most maybe a foot and a half, two feet wide. Yeah. So we hear this noise. And so Mouse says, you know, did you hear that? And I did, so I said yes. And Chris is like, you guys are kidding me. And we stop for a second and listen again. And then we hear, all of us this time, hear the unmistakable sound of a large branch break, as if someone was stepping on it. Um, but it didn't really sound as if it was on the ground. It sounded like it was kind of like up in the air, like maybe waist or chest high. Mm. We all heard it. Yeah, not like a large, large branch, like a baseball bat diameter, but like bigger than a little stick snapping. You know, it sounded like a branch breaking. Um, and it seemed to Mouse and I, Chris didn't hear the first one, to Mouse and I, the second noise sounded closer than the first one. So we all just kind of stand there in silence for a bit, trying to figure out what to do. And then all three of us hear a second uh, branch break. 
and this one was definitely closer than the previous one we heard. It was like 10 feet in front of us. It was like right in front of us. And it was higher. It felt like it, it, it sounded like it was at like chest or head height. Yeah, like the height of where a person's head would be in the woods. Like 10 feet right in front of us was like a branch, like very definitely breaking, like something is there. So we, without saying a word, all three of us just in unison pick up our rifles point it into the darkness on the other side of the river or stream where towards this noise and slowly start to back away. Yeah, I don't even think we had blanks in the rifles, but like just like as an instinct, you know, you've got this thing that's like a weapon and it's like pointed at it and like back away because there is something there. Cause, and, and also, we had been talking. So whatever is there knows that we're there and isn't afraid and of is, us. And is coming towards us. Coming towards yeah. us. So we back away, like, I don't know, what, 10, 15 feet? Right. And then basically turn around and start moving wicked fast and get out of that field. And we get up um, out of the field. We go up a little hill and over, like, to where we're camped. And there's other reenactors up there. And, you know, we talked about what we thought had happened. You know, we all agreed on what we had heard and what had happened. We, 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 I mean, we've heard tons of stuff in the woods before. Uh, I mean, we've got there at night all the time. We were talking, you know, it could have been it could have been a moose that was coming out there, could have been out there. It could have been any kind of animal. It could have been a bird that was on a branch that got off or something. We didn't yeah. know what it was. Yeah. So. yeah, or like an owl, right, or some kind of big, big bird. bird. Yeah. I mean, I think that we probably thought that the... So we, we went over to the uh, Soviet reenactors who were kind of relaxing and having some drinks over there. Um, they're really hospitable. They're our friends. I'm like also in that unit for, and Ben is as well. Yeah. And, um, guys. you know, we told him what had happened. Then we all talked about it and it was like, well, was it a moose? You know, and it's like, well, supposedly a moose smells like really strong. Like you can't get close Musky, to a moose yeah. without smelling it. Yeah. Smell. We didn't smell anything. Same with a bear too, honestly. I've yeah, heard. these big animals supposedly. But yeah. and, and I think some people thought we were just like lying, right? I think some people thought, we, or that we were just like, I don't know, making it up or sure, we're crazy. Sure. It was just kind of a general like campfire discussion about it. Um, until sometime after the event. Well, didn't you guys go back? No. That spot in the morning. Oh, yeah, that's right. We did. Uh, the uh, next my, morning. The next morning, um, I can't remember if it was before or after. We, there was a tactical the next day, and I think it was in the morning. We went back down to the spot to see if we could see anything, whatever it is. And we knew exactly where it was because I, we had shown the light on the rock where the, where the water was. We could find it very easily. And I went back over and looked, and there were two very clear branches that were broken about chest high on the other directly across the river from where we were and we we're like all right something was you know confirmed something was definitely there something was there uh so then uh the next part of this um saga happened maybe about two weeks later um guy mouse that was with us had posted something on facebook referring to the weird incident we had at night and i'm i'm pretty good friends with the landowner out there and he sent me a direct message and he was like, oh, what was that you know, thing Mouse was talking about? And I was like, oh, no, that, that actually happened. And he was like, really? And I said, yeah. And I just basically gave him a quick view of what we just talked about, you know, how we're out there, we heard the noise, whatever it is. And I told him, you know, we had thought that it was probably an animal or whatever it is. And he just responded to me, he goes, nope, probably the madman. And I was like, 
excuse me? And he goes, yeah, the madman that lives out in the woods. You, you've heard about him, haven't you? We've been going to this site for 15 years. And I'm thinking, all right, he's just clearly joking with me because we have that kind of relationship. And I'm like, all right, what, you know, what, come on. And he's like, no, no, there actually is a madman out in the woods. And I'm like, well, what the hell are you talking about and why have you never mentioned this before? And he proceeds to tell me the story about some guy who had purchased some land um, not far from where we were who was going to build a house out there and then something happened with the land being landlocked and he couldn't get an easement to get out there to build his house and it started to stress him out and it caused all these marital problems eventually getting divorced um, he went insane. There was um, a court case. He lost all his money. Well, well, he lost everything. He thought that like there was an old road that would allow and, his and, and, property and to be to get out there, get out But his, his neighbors successfully were able to prove that there had never been right. a, an official road, a yeah. road there. So his neighbors, the neighbors of this landlocked property that this guy got, were ba basically able to prevent him from building a house on this property. So he was, he was like mad at them. Um, and then apparently, according to the landowner, that he has been, I don't know, like living slash squatting, doing whatever it is on this parcel of land in the middle of the woods. And the neighbors see him and he is harassed him a few times and I didn't go I didn't get too many details about it um, he's like yeah so it was probably the madman that you guys saw in the woods that night yeah but this guy supposedly lives in like a shack on his own property illegally lives in a shack on his own property because he's not legally permitted to build anything there and he like periodically I guess would like appear at the edges of the properties adjacent you know or like near a road like gesticulating at cars in like a threatening way or whatever and he the, i guess like the, the madman as he is known locally like he's like a little bit of a nuisance you know everyone knows about him and he's just living out there in the woods or whatever it sounds like an urban legend right it sounds like i was really like frankly pretty skeptical you were skeptical yeah like, you were serious this is one of those stories that could like have a genesis in fact right or like like some like there was such a thing you know maybe like 50 Back years in the day, ago yeah, yeah right yeah, yeah like yeah, yeah. for like a, a summer or something you you know yeah. what I mean? But yeah, I'm thinking yeah. there's nobody out there. <laughs> so the next year, it's time for the event again. It's 2018, October, weekend before Halloween. We're out there, Friday night. It's dark. Um, we go back down to that same meadow. Um, it's a low area. It's adjacent to that stream. It's swampy. There's like some mist that comes off the water. Yeah. Um, this night, it was very dark. No, no stars, I, I recall. I think it was an overcast night. And so it's totally dark out there. And we had a bunch of guys that year. So we decided to break up into two teams. Mm -hmm. And um, we kind of had plans where... We sort of had like a, a plan where, okay, every... I think what twenty minutes or something like that. We switch. Yeah. We would we would or we would make contact. One mm. person from one group would it. make contact with one person from another group. So it's it's cool when you can do that from like a reenactment perspective because you're not just like out there just sitting there. It's like you have a schedule. You have to make contacts with someone else who may have seen something different than you. Check your watch. You can, yeah, we would swap periodically swap out you know members of the different teams so that everyone would do some time in both teams. So the two teams were on opposite sides of this field which is pretty big i don't really know how to tell you how big this is but it was yeah, like half a football field yeah maybe. like yeah. maybe your whole football field yeah, or something it's pretty field. big and um like so you've got one team kind of looking 
say, like to the east, right? Yeah. And the other team is looking to the west. So the two teams are looking away from each other and kind of covering this massive amount of sky from either end of something that is probably similar in length to a football field. Um, so I'm, I'm on the team that is far away from the Madman property. Because Jim had kind of indicated to us like where the Madman property was. A little bit, right? Loosely, uh, yeah. The landowner, right? So, uh, so I, I, I don't know. I didn't. I wasn't really thinking too much about the madman. You weren't thinking about it at all. I imagine you were thinking about the reenactment. You know, like... but Ben was in the other group. Now, for, for, to preface this, I was not actually there for the genesis of this, uh, the first uh, alleged sighting. Um, so this was my first uh, real encounter, if you will. And so I'm looking off at this field during this aircraft observation, and uh, I see distinctly, like, beyond the tree line, in the trees, lights moving, like artificial light moving. So I decide, um, like a character in a horror film, to go toward the light, to go check out whatever's out there with i think i was with like i don't know if i was with one of the person or four of the people but we crossed the field and like going to the woods and the light's gone at this point but uh no for for people listening like there shouldn't be any lights in this woods because there's nothing out there yeah there's no houses beyond not this. for like um, a way yeah, way yeah, distance yeah. it's just forest it's just it's it's a massive tract of land and uh, so I'm going up this hill. I think there's like a foundation of like an old farmhouse or something. The hill becomes very steep. It's very thickly uh, lot of undergrowth. And Ben Ben was also definitely told not to do this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I received no instruction to do this. Like and... a specific instruction to not do this. It was a bad idea. All right, it was a bad idea. It was like don't go in the woods. And all of a sudden, I become like a weird sixth sense, uh, I feel like somebody is pointing a gun at me. And if I move any further up this hill, they're going to pull the trigger and I'm going to be shot. And so, not really thinking, I scream, identify your yourself um, as loud as I possibly can. I have my rifle up, I don't have any actually ammunition, and I don't think I even any blanks, but uh, I scream, identify yourself into the darkness and then myself and the other people who I were with retreat. Um, so you, you got to imagine, I'm like, I'm just kind of out there like pretending it's World War II and I suddenly hear Ben scream, Identify yourself! And it's just like, all right, like Ben has gone off the reservation. Like <laughs> there's a problem. I uh, like everybody, like reenactment's over. Like let's go find out what the heck is going on over there. So me and my team like run over there and here's Ben and a couple other guys crashing out of the woods. And Ben's like, I saw lights. I'm like, all right, everybody, is everybody here? Great. We are leaving this field right now. We are going back to our camp right now. Because like what, like for people listening here who don't know Ben, Ben is insane. And so I am just uh, assuming Ben is having a mental episode and he's screaming, identify yourself into the darkness uh, you know, what does he think he's going to do? What is the person going to say? It's be like, oh, I'm the madman, right? Like, or like, it's me, a moose. Or like, I am a ghost. Like, well, I, you know, like Ben had clearly lost his mind. So he had been driven insane by fear. So we just like 
Get he the didn't heck. think I saw lights at all. I didn't think Ben saw any lights yeah. at all. Be- well, look, it's like, I don't know how far away the lights are. I don't know. I mean, what does it look like? I mean... Me and the dude I were with, we, we both thought that we saw lights. There were more people than Ben yeah, who said yeah, they saw the yeah, lights. Yeah. I'm not saying that I thought these people were lying, but I don't know. I kind of thought maybe they had, like, psyched themselves out with Airplane a story of or madman. Or, like, yeah, like a distant car. You know, Chris, you know? for a man who used to investigate the paranormal, you are extremely skeptical Well, maybe that's why I'm so skeptical. <laughs> it's because of my years as a paranormal investigator. <laughs> Uh, so, so look, we like, uh, you know, we went back to camp. The next day we did the tactical. And then after that, it kind of becomes a little bit of a discussion topic amongst the guys in our reenactment group. You know, should we go out there in the direction where this madman is supposed to live like should we you know hunt for the madman you know ben obviously being insane you know breaches the subject broaches the subject should we kill the madman which is you know only a really insane you know ben is a homicidal maniac so uh so uh all right so let's fast forward to one year ago 2019 it's Friday, the day before the battle. We got a bunch of people at the event from a couple of different reenactment groups. German reenactment groups are there. And everybody knows the Madman story now. And so it's like, are we going to do this? This is dur- during broad daylight, like the middle of the day. Or it's the Friday, afternoon. right? Yeah, it was yeah, Friday. Yeah. Friday afternoon. Let's, let's think about that clearing, you know? Let's think about that. Or like we talked about it beforehand. Like, what about that clearing on the map? Isn't that clearing in the area where the madman is supposed to be? Isn't that clearing in the direction where we saw the lights? Right at the edge of the stream where we heard those noises? Like, what is that clearing? And it's like, we're going to go and we're going to find out. So, we've got two groups. My reenactment group, or like, you know, a a squad-sized element or like a little bit smaller than a squad. And a a similar-sized element from another reenactment group. You know, maybe not squad size, right? Maybe it was like like a squad in total, but in like two little groups. And we had talked in advance about, okay, it's fine. We'll just use Google Maps to navigate to this little clearing. And Billy was like, no deal. Like, I'm going to make some maps that are similar to World War II looking maps. We will use these paper maps and a compass and landmarks and compass headings and we are going to just do like land navigation, orienteering through this forest to get to the clearing, which I, I didn't necessarily think was 100% going to work, but I'm <laughs> on board for it. So uh, we start to move into the woods. We're moving together in two groups. Uh, I'm in charge of one group. The guy who's kind of in charge of the other reenactment group is, is in charge of his little section, and we're moving forward, and it is a tough slog because there's not a trail to follow there's not a path and like a lot of the woods basically all the woods here in this region it's not an old growth forest it's stuff that has grown up over the last hundred years and there's a lot of trees that are small they are closely spaced the area in between the tree trunks is full of briars and thorns and underbrush and you're trying to force your way through these thorn bushes and I'm getting cut up. My pants are getting ripped. My gamashin, my gaiters on my feet are getting like torn up by this. And, um, and we basically 
we finally get to one of the landmarks on the map, which is this is actually a clearing that's for like a large agricultural field that's kind of like adjacent to a road. We kind of figured, okay, we're going to go to this clearing, to this edge, field edge, and then change our kind of compass heading and go directly from there to the, um, to the clearing. So we start moving through, and it's a wall of briars, and then suddenly we crash through some thorns, and now the forest is different. Yeah, the forest is different. At this point, um, everything opened up. You could see, um, you could see across the uh, across, the trees were open. Most of the underbrush was gone. Um, you could see the floor the floor of the forest, and we started to notice wood piles, um, and they were there was a lot of them. Yeah, the basically there were these piles of wood that were in on the ground and they were you know like a couple of meters around some of them maybe a little bit bigger some of them maybe a little bit smaller some of them were made up of just sticks like branches and stuff that was stacked up and some of them were made up of logs that had been cut with a chainsaw and carefully stacked but all of the piles whether they were made up of logs or whether they were made up of sticks they were all about the same size and they were all kind of equally spaced. And we were super far away from any house at this point. Some know? old, some new, right? Exactly. Some of the piles were um, obviously fresh, you know, freshly cut wood. And some of the piles were like moldy, you know, deteriorating sticks or logs with moss growing on it. And it's like someone has been out there making these piles. For each, like... each pile was roughly between like waist and head high. And there was one probably at least every 50 meters. Mm. I think more closely spaced than that, especially as we like moved in more. Well, as we moved in, they became more of them. They became yeah. more of them. And we're talking about them, and I'm thinking, okay, well, somebody is like stacking up firewood out here or whatever. Um, and then we see like a really weird stove. It's made up of a like a 50-gallon fuel drum that has been cut up and fitted with like kind of a crude... Cut in half. Yeah, cut in half. And it's like made into this weird stove for warming yourself out there. And we came across a, it was a foundation sort of a thing, but it was really small and made up of rocks. And it, it was square. No mortar, right? It was like, like a little square stone enclosure. You know, nothing like super weird, but like I didn't know what it was for. And of course, my whole time I'm thinking... Okay, what is this stuff? You know, all right, well, maybe these are these piles are someone stacking up firewood out here. And maybe this stove is for a hunt, part of an old hunting camp, you know, for hunters to warm themselves. And maybe this, um, you know, maybe this foundation is a foundation of an old maple syrup boiling sugar shack from, from 1850. I don't know, you know. You're skeptical as hell, I'm man. I'm skeptical as hell. And then I hear the leader of the other group. And at this point, we're starting to go up a... A steep hill. Mm. We're going up this steep hill, and there's the piles are on this hill. And later, the other group says to me, "Who the hell is going to come out here and climb up or down this slope and retrieve this wood? Why would you stack this wood on the slope? How far are you going to travel to scale this steep hill to get these piles off of it?" And I'm thinking, I don't have an answer to that question. Not near any house. So. I'm thinking that, and now my the hair's going up on the back of my neck, being like, what is this stuff? 
And then I see up ahead of us, there's a break in the trees, and it's the clearing. <laughs> so we start going up the top of the hill to the clearing. And we get up to the top, and things started to get really weird at this point. Um, again, we're in the middle of, uh, we're, in the, we're in the middle of some very dense woods. Then we came to this place where the woods was kind of cleared out, and these wood piles are there. And suddenly there is this clearing, and there's grass in the clearing. And it has clearly been, to some extent, it has been um, uh, manicured or upkept, because if it had not, all of this other vegetation would have been come up and overtaken it. And the come up the clearing. The clearing is maybe I don't know how 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 big of a circle do you think that was? It's kind of like the size, like the footprint of a small house. Maybe, yeah, or something. Um, it's not very big. And there are some uh, fence posts around the outside of it. Uh, some of them have fallen down. There are some remnants of some barbed wire around the out of it. There's no trail leading up to this thing or away from it at all. Um, and there is, uh, and the grass in the very center of the, uh, of the clearing has been matted down. We assumed it was probably from animals or deer or something this, laying down. There. This clearing, we've realized, it was this, it was circular. And perfect circle. The posts that were going around it, they were old, but they were, they were in a perfect circle, like a, like a ring that like a horse show would happen in or something, mm. you know? And like, like Chris said, like, it clearly had been like mowed or maintained like that year because there was no there was just grass in it you know yeah. there's no b bushes there's no trees and it's like someone is maintaining this little perfectly round small little meadow in the woods and it's like why you know and i'm thinking at this point i'm really like i'm out of i'm out of explanations and uh I hear of, so it's like, all right, Billy uh, and I talk about it, and it's like, okay, we did it. Mission accomplished. We found the clearing. The clearing was weird. Like, we didn't find some kind of madman lair, you know, but we did find this weird thing, and, like, now it's time to go back. And as we turn to go back into the woods, from the edge of the woods, I hear the leader of the other group, and he says, hey, one of my guys says that he sees a roof. And I'm like, all right, well, let's check it out. So I'm thinking, no way. I'm thinking, all right, it's nothing, right? Mm. One other guy from my group and I decided to like move forward and get kind of really close to this thing that they said that they saw. And I start walking towards it and I cannot believe my eyes. I am looking at what looks like a Halloween haunted house set of a madman's lair. <laughs> it's like two little hovels with, you know, walls made out of like just she sheets of plywood and, and tin, you know, salvaged materials and, and a tarp. Tar paper? Yeah, like tar paper with like a tarp. For the roof, and then there's like a little kind of an enclosure. There's buckets out there for catching rainwater. <laughs> there's, you know, just weird like remnants of some kind of machinery out there. And um, and it is clear that this has been lived in, like, and it's being lived in now. Like, this isn't a ruin from 50 years ago. This is a, a hermit 
live an off-the-grid, angry, insane, and I'm on I'm on his property, <laughs> and I'm at his house, and it's like, I said to the other guy, I'm like, Kramer's, like, we have to go back like, now. We have to go back now. I go back, and and uh, Billy, you were kind of right behind us. Yeah, I, I mean, I was so I was recovering from a broken leg at this point. This was my first event post injury. Um, so I didn't, uh, I couldn't move as fast as they did, and I was not, uh, I didn't go as as close to this um, area as they did, but um, I saw it, it was uh, basically just as he described it, there was like this little patio thing on the front too, like a little porch that was out there, and there was like the buckets wow. out there, um, and you know, I was like, as soon as I saw it, I was like, let me get the hell out of here, because this is clearly some guy that does not want to be left alone, and suddenly we invade his property, like, well, who knows what the hell's going to happen. Yeah, like, to be clear here, you know... I totally respect the right of somebody to, like, live on their own property in a shack and, like, be left alone and stuff, you know? And it was, like, only when I actually realized I was at this guy's house that I even really believed that this guy was real. And, like, I'm sure that there were, like, exaggerations. Like, maybe the madman is listening to this podcast, you know? And it's, like, I'm not, like, disparaging this person's character. Like, maybe this guy's really cool, right? But, like, you know, it was a frightening thing to, like, come face to face with, like, Anyone who spends a lot of time in the woods knows if you come across a camp, like a hobo camp or like a place where people live in the woods, like they don't want you there. Yeah. And like you've got to give them a wide berth. Yeah. Like because if, if you stumble into their stuff and they think that you're there to steal their stuff or mess with them. Bad like, things. And, and like what kind of person really lives in the woods? Like I know probably all kinds of people, right? But also like insane people. You know, like, definitely insane people. So, uh... We don't know. So, it's like, yeah. all right, now we have to try to make a hasty retreat. And, uh... And as we're getting ready to leave, uh, as we're starting to leave, one of the guys in our group, Bauman, is like, hey, do you think those wood piles are from him clearing lines of sight so that he could, like, see the approaches to his property? And it's like... Oh no, you know, like, is he looking at us now? Yeah, yeah. So we we suddenly suddenly everything we encountered up to that up to that point took on new meaning and new light. Um, we were convinced that he, you know, if he was still out there, he was somewhere in the area watching us. We suddenly took uh, all, all the wood piles seemed a lot more menacing and a lot more frightening, mm. and we just wanted to get the hell out of there. Um, so we. Decided to to the to the right of where we were was like the super thick briar and the trees and everything that uh, Chris had mentioned earlier. So we decided to do kind of a semicircle back there where we came in because we would get out there get out there much faster that way. Um, and we just you know descended the hill as fast as we could. Um, everyone taking you know looking uh, much more wide-eyed at all these wood piles we're seeing and noticing like how much effort they took and how much time they were and how many how many of them there were. Um, and we eventually got out of like the, the clear area of the woods and back into where it got a lot denser and like no one was saying anything. Like, we were just dead silent going through this because we were all just like, what the hell did we just see? Um, and we eventually get back to uh, the wooded area, back to the original meadow that we were, all of this stuff first started at. And we go back to camp and we just kind of sit down and just kind of stare at each other for a little bit and try to figure the process what just what just happened. Um, so since then, you know, we talked to the landowner and his family about it a bunch of times. And it's like, you know, we told him what happened. They're like, oh, yeah, no, you went to the madman's shack. Like, there's no, like, oh, really? He is there? It's like, yeah, no, we told you there was a crazy man living a adjacent to this property. And it's like, oh, there he is. Yes, we were there. 
Um, you know, what, what more to really say about it? Now, here's, here's the fun part of this. The fun part is that we're going back there in, like, less eight than days. two weeks. Yeah, we'll yeah. be back there in eight days. So, um, and, you know, are we going to... Are we going to go back to the lair? Are we going to, as Ben had requested, are we going to kill the madman? <laughs> You're going to have to tune in to the uh, Halloween episode next year to find out. Um, and also, we actually we have a bunch of other stories that we talked about. We were like out in the woods doing some stuff earlier, talking about some weird stuff that happened, uh, or scary stuff or unpleasant stuff. Um, so for next year, maybe we can make this like an annual thing or whatever. I like that idea. I like uh, that idea. You guys have anything else to add about this stuff? No, 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 no. I mean, I missed the, the last part because I arrived late. I had to work and I arrived late in the darkness and smashed my beer. Different, another story. But Yeah, well, Ben is a horror story reenacting <laughs> all by himself. Uh, all right, guys. So I hope everybody has a happy Halloween. Next time you'll hear it. I don't know. We'll have Lassa back, obviously. Uh, I guess... That's all there is to say, and I will see you in the field. Happy Halloween. As ever, most heartfelt thanks to Mike, a.k.a. Retro Man, for editing this podcast. Uh.